it really is developing that relationship because there were times where like I have an inner dialogue and I'm, I think most people do have an inner dialogue that's going on all the time. And mine would be like, well, you shouldn't do this or you should do this. You know, it was a lot of um, shoulds or yeah, don't should, don't should yourself. Don't should all of yourself. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, when I finally started like going to the Lord with these things and praying about it, that was not the answers that I was getting back on things that I should even focus on or worry about. And it just, I, I realized I'm like this inner dialogue that I have going on is not helping me to become who I want to become. And so, but that only happened as I built a personal relationship with my savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus it's time for another episode in the cultural hall, and you can bet that this uh, episode will be filled with hilarity as we talk about divorce and the Latter-day Saint woman. I'm obviously being tongue-in-cheek, uh, but, uh, but I think we're going to have some fun. In the brief moments before we turned on the old record button, uh, Noelle and I, I, I think I think we're in for a, a, a good hour today. Noelle, thanks for being here. Yeah, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. So uh, I have to uh, point out, and people should become Patreon saints, uh, if for no other reason than your hair is awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, um, I went, I just decided to embrace the gray, and then I'm like, and I'm in a rocket. So yeah, yeah it's all my natural color. So, wow. but I have people often ask me who my hairdresser is, and I'm like, Mother Nature. Wow. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. And people that aren't able to see the video because they haven't become Patreon saints, they're like, what are they talking about? Why would they start a show like this? Too bad. Become a Patreon saint and find out. Noel, yep. tell me a little bit uh, uh, about uh, yourself, not necessarily the book, but just about you. Where do you come from? Where were you raised? Yeah. Um, I was actually raised in the Pacific Northwest, so Seattle area. And uh, I grew up getting to go um, to the San Juan Islands and camping every summer and just absolutely love the Pacific Northwest. Fast forward, got through um, high school and my family moved over to Eastern Washington and I went away um, to go to college, came home for the summer to Eastern Washington, Tri-City area had never been there, thought that it was probably the ugliest and driest place I'd ever seen. <laughs> but I went to the YSA ward. I ended up meeting my kid's husband, or sorry, father there, mm -hmm. and um, ended up staying in Eastern Washington for like the next 20 years. And I fell in love with the desert and all the different things that are beautiful about the desert and enjoyed my time living there. And um, after my divorce, I stayed in the Eastern Washington area because that's where my family was. And after a few years, I decided to start dating again. And I ended up meeting my husband and he lived over here um, in the Pacific Northwest area and near Seattle. And when we got married, I ended up moving back over here. And I am so happy to be on the green side of the state again. So I absolutely love it. And now I get to teach my kids and introduce them to all the places that I went to as a kid all the ocean and the islands. And so it's a lot of fun. Uh, and, and Eastern Washington, and you'll have to correct me, but isn't Eastern Washington a little bit the crazy part of Washington? <laughs> like, uh, like there's some places where like, you don't want to be like at night or like, uh, you know, like a, like a little, like I envision from what I know about Eastern Washington, there's places that like you walk into the town and it's like, and then you want to quickly get out of that. Isn't that Eastern Washington or is that Western Idaho? Uh, 
I, I think that's probably more Western Idaho. Okay. Eastern Washington is really conservative. In fact, in the Tri-City area, they have a temple there and you throw a rock and you hit somebody who's LDS. Like mm. it is like a Utah. So um, it, it's pretty conservative over in Eastern Washington. Actually, I wouldn't recommend being in Seattle at night on the streets. Ah. <laughs> so, kind of the opposite. Fair. <laughs> uh, it also raises the question why you would be throwing rocks at members of the church, but I don't want to get there. That seems like a hate crime uh, asking for it. Uh, There's a great and, parable about throwing rocks. <laughs> yeah. Is, is that the glass houses one or is that just an adaptation of a parable? I'm teasing. No, I was going to say the, the parable that the Savior taught, right? Yeah. yeah like yeah. he who's without yeah. sin cast the first stone. So yeah. there you go. <laughs> uh, so so always in the Pacific Northwest. Where did, What did you go to school for and where did you go to school? Uh, I went to school at Central Washington. So again, I'm kind of a Washington girl. That's just, you know, um, but interior design, it's actually what I do now. I worked for years. Um, so after I graduated and got out of college, I had my children. And so I have three boys and I was busy being a stay at home mom and I needed a little bit of a side income. So I actually kind of stumbled into a career of being a makeup artist and a stylist. Huh. And um, I got to work on the red carpet, have lots of fun with that, um, did that for about 15 years. Wow. And then um <laughs> I know. And then it kind of circled back and I ended up um starting up interior design again. So now I'm I'm working on interior design. So now when yeah. you talk about things like uh working the red carpet and stuff like that, were you ever a part of someone's entourage where it's like you're the people and you're part of the people and it's like, hold on one moment, we gotta you know take care of this before this happens. Were you entourage? Yeah, actually. I was. Yeah. Um, one of the gals that I work Hollywood music media award. And so she flew me to California and I got to get her completely ready for the red carpet. It was pretty fantastic. So wow. yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I was part of the whole entourage and then I did um, several music videos and things for her as well. So I had a lot cool. of fun. With it. Cool. Yeah. Uh, I, I actually want to take a break real quick. Uh, and when we come back, we're just going to dive straight into it. As I head up at the very beginning of this, uh, talking that that we're going to experience um, through your words and your telling of the story uh, about divorce and the Latter-day Saint woman. Uh, I'm hoping that you'll be willing to share some of those things. I know maybe not all of it's on the table, but to to really kind of be enlightening uh, to those that maybe haven't gone through it or maybe are considering it or or maybe just don't understand what draws a person to to become a divorced person. And then, you know, subsequently, and I find myself asking that question every once in a while, like why you would get married again if it didn't work the first time. Why would why would you possibly step into that again? Uh, we'll get into all that and come back and do that in the second block of the cultural hall. Imagine running a small business today. It's challenging. Imaging and internet presence is an absolute must. Even with that, you're still a small star in a bright cyber universe. Now, imagine you have someone who understands how to get your site designed for your talents and then easily searched by potential clients. Imagine Lennon Design. Whether it's strictly a website or a whole package of logo creation, advertising media, and promotional materials, Lennon Design is your partner in business. They'll test the boundaries of their imagination to create something unique for you. When you need creative, affordable design, let it be Lennon Design. Call 801-699-3022 or visit LennonDesign.com. Here in the second block of the Cultural Hall, let's get right into it. So you were married for 20 years, if I remember correctly, and then it ended up being that it's like, hey, we're not we're not doing this uh, this thing anymore. Uh, yeah. To the extent that you're willing, tell me a little bit about uh, the why, what, and how of that. 
So um, my former husband and I met in the YSA ward um, of Eastern Washington. Good and experience. Yes. It, yeah. I mean, it's it was a typical YSA, right? Like you meet someone, you start to date, you connect. And we got married um, within, you know, from the time that we met to the time that we got married was about three and a half months. So wow. most of the time, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was quick. And you say typical, that that uh, that narrative, I think of that less than six months, I think is less and less. But again, we're talking it is. Know, 20 yeah. plus years ago. It was. Yeah. So um, and we, um, I, I got pregnant right away. So we had a child within our first year of marriage. Okay. And, um, so, and then my other three or my other two came along. And so we were busy for the first 10 years, you know, just raising young kids. And, um, but during this time, you know, as you work on goals together in, in a marriage, we just started kind of going in different directions. And, um, there were some things on my part that I needed to take responsibility for and make adjustments and change. And so, you know, I worked on a lot of things for myself, um, went through a lot of counseling, I actually joined a 12 step program, um, for mm -hmm. eating. Um, I have an eating disorder. And so there were a lot of dynamics that way. And then there were other things that are part of his story that I would allow him to share. Sure. Uh, but the dynamic of the two of us um, was really, uh, there's a lot of codependency and a lot of difficulty um, in that. And so um, as I continue to get healthier and better, um, things continue to kind of more and more fall apart within my marriage. And I was doing everything I possibly could. It's a little bit like being in a sinking ship. Mm -hmm. You're bailing out water as fast, as fast as you can, but there's already um, a lot of holes in the um, hole of the ship. And so it just takes on more water than you can bail out. And um, we kind of reached a climax. And I, I really was hopeful that um, that point, it would be a turning point for us. Um, but what it was is then it ended up that we went different directions. So um, that was hard and not at all what I had planned. You know, divorce was never part of my um, story. I, I didn't even like the word. Sure. <laughs> so, we sort of glibly say that's not an option. My forever right. family is going to be yeah. a forever family because that's how we do it. And that's uh, right. It's not me. Yeah. It's not my path. It's not my journey. And it was, it was really terrifying for me in truth. Um, I, I spent, a lot of time on my knees and praying. And at one point I actually made the decision that I was going to stay, that that was it. I was staying in the marriage and, um, and it was really interesting because I was, you know, um, gaining more confidence and personal revelation and things. And it was like, um, I felt like the heavens withdrew when I made that decision. I actually talk about it in my um, book, that experience for me, because it was a really pivotal experience. And, um, and then I, I, I just felt like the heavens were closed and I wasn't, I wasn't having that, um, personal revelation like I had been experiencing. So I went back to the Lord and I said, this feels like this is not the right decision for me. And I, I need you to like, show me. And I had an experience, um, and I share this, um, where I actually was able to see two paths before me. And one path was green and lush. And one path was dark and desolate. Hmm. And I could see that if I continued on the path, um, and staying married, that, um, the things that were in my patriarchal blessing and that the Lord had in store for me, I would not be able to fulfill. And so it was a huge leap of faith for me to, um, say, okay, Emily, father, 
I am going to make the decision to get divorced. And, um, and then it was like, as soon as I made that decision, um, I felt this weight lift off of me, a lightness, um, a feeling of peace. And I just sobbed because that was not the answer that I wanted. Um, and it was really, really difficult. And, um, I actually went to the temple and I had an experience there at the temple, which then reconfirmed it further, but I had no idea even how to go through the process of a divorce. And so, I mean, I, I just, it was like the Lord led me step by step by step and every, um, step that I took, he reassured me over and over again that I was on the right path, but it was, it was the hardest, one of the hardest things that I've ever had to do in my life. So how, how much of it do you chalk up to the three and a half months dating? Cause it, I mean, yeah. <laughs> to me, so I got married the first time when I was 30 and I got married the second time when I was 39. And as much as you okay. bring into marriages when you're 30 and 39, there is a sweet innocence that seems to come from being super young and not having any idea yep. what you're doing and court and sort of forming that life with the other person that, right. you know, I'm sure that it brings its own challenges, but those challenges are far, far different than those that have lived on their own, had a life, you know, do those kind of things for a few years and then, you know, try and pair up with someone else. So, so, so I guess in reverse engineering that question, like what also do you think that you could have said differently to younger self before the three and a half months or during the three and a half months of courtship that maybe could have changed the trajectory or is that not a consideration? Uh, well, uh, yes. I mean, so, um, I am remarried and my husband and I have six children between the two of us. And so, um, and he's a widower, so we have our kids full time. Um, and I, so I do, I talk very openly about what I hope my children will do differently. Um, as far as my life, can I go back and change it? No, I got my children out of it. And mm -hmm. I really do feel like, um, I was very prayerful about marrying my first husband. Uh, it wasn't something that I, again, I was really trying to seek the will of the Lord. I just think that there were choices that he and I both made mm -hmm. that, um, just meant that we were going in different directions. And, um, and again, I can share my choices. I can't sure. really share his, but, um, and that just, it, it just became, um, to a point where we were no longer compatible. Like we didn't have the same goals in mind anymore. And so that was really, um, that I think that was a big part of it. Now, as far as what I teach my kids, I'm like, spend a year getting to know someone <laughs> like, and also know their parents because you do marry your in-laws. Like, oh, yeah. I, I remember hearing that and I'm like, I'm not going to marry my in-laws. That's not how that's going to work, mm -hmm. <laughs> but you do, you do. And it also gives you a really big clue of who, you know, um, like the dynamic that you're marrying into. And so, um, those are all things that I, we, you know, both my husband, and I really encourage our children to consider and, and also get to know someone when they're sick, you know, like that's different taking care of someone when they're not well. And so you're, you're getting a full, you know, gamut of, um, who this person really is at their very best and at their very worst. And so, yeah. The joke that we, uh, that I always used to make with, uh, guy friends of mine, this is terrible, but I'm a horrible person. So there, let the judgment, you know, <laughs> lie where it is. Okay. It, you, At you, least want, you, own it, right? you, you wanted to know the women in all seasons because yes, she, she may, and this, this seriously is so terrible, but this sheds a light on who I am as an individual. She may be a great 
winter sweater, but maybe <laughs> she is not a, you know, maybe anyway. Yes. We, we were horrible uh, about all of that, but it really was a way, just a different way of saying like, know someone for a little while. Know, you know, yep. when they have great achievements that occur and, and tremendous okay. failures and you right. know, all those yep. things. Yeah. Well, my husband, uh, my current husband is kind of cute. Um, when we were dating, when I was like, is there anything that you, cause I was very transparent, you know, mm-hmm. and I was like, is there anything that you are really curious about? And he's like, I'm curious if you're really this happy all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I never had anyone, but I am pretty even keel. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of a new experience for him. And so that was a, that was a fun, um, you know, just something that was different for our courtship. Sure. For how yeah. long did you guys date before you got married? Nine months. Okay. So still, I feel like Noel, like I know like you gave yourself a little bit more of a lesson, but we're still undercutting the year thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, but I did wait two years. Like I, th- this is my other thing. Um, cause I went through counseling a lot, a mm-hmm. lot of counseling, like five years of counseling. And I still go to counseling now just because I think it's part of like a healthy, you know, way of working through things that you're not always dumping on the other person because mm-hmm. there's, there's things to work through. But anyway, um, my counselor gave me a really good bit of advice. He's like, you should, um, for every year that you were married, you should be one month single. So for me, that would have been, I was married for 17 years. Mm-hmm. So, but I did two years of being single. So, you know, I, I spent a long time really um, working on myself and becoming comfortable with myself. And I knew what I wanted um, and I wasn't going to um, settle for less because I was happy being single. So the, my, when my husband came along, it was really an addition. Um, So yeah, it was a little bit of a shorter period of time. It was in an ideal world. We tell our kids a year at least. (laughs) Kids don't do as I've done. That's right. Say. Yeah. And, uh, and I will say, so this how kind of balances out my first, my husband's first wife, he, and she dated for four years. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So, so he did plenty of dating for your first marriage and for your second marriage. Yes. Yes. That's right. Sure. <laughs> uh, when you tell mission in between, but yeah. <laughs> when you tell uh, members of the church that you feel, feel like uh, God led you to towards being divorced. Is there any sort of pushback where people are like, God doesn't do that? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Uh, I even had that within my own family. So, um, my mom, um, she was like, are you sure there's, there's just no way you can work this out, you know? And, um, and so that was part of the really special experience that I had in the temple. Um, you know, my mom, she was, she loved me and she was of course very supportive, but at the same time, she was like, I just feel like you should be able to work this out. Like there, there has to be a way that this works out. And, but she lovingly said, you know what, I'll go to the temple with you. Um, and I'll support you. And, and so as we went through a session together, um, I, uh, I went through first. And so I took some time to myself and I was reading my scriptures and I was just, I kind of had a special moment and I write about that more in depth in the journal, but there was a really specific or not in a, a journal in my book. Um, and there was a specific answer that I got while I was there in the celestial room. But the amazing thing is my mom came in later and she kind of took some time to herself too, and was really prayerful. And, um, at the end, as we were getting ready to leave the celestial room, she came up to me and she just like grabbed my arm and she was 
like Noel, she said, I don't know how, but I know that you are following the spirit and you, and you are being led by the Lord. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I don't, I don't know how that makes any sense, but I know it's true. And it was such a confirmation for me because my mom had been really resistant and was just like, there, there has to be another answer. So that was another way that the Lord, you know, again, reassured me that I was, I was moving forward. Do I feel like that's the answer for everyone? No, but what it comes back to is for me, for me to be able to fulfill the things that are in my patriarchal blessing, I couldn't do that anymore um, to with the person that I was with at that time. And the interesting thing is, is that now there are parts of my patriarchal blessing that are being rapidly fulfilled um, that could not have been fulfilled had I not gone through my divorce. So I, I believe that when we do our very best to seek the spirit, that the Lord then turns those things for our good. Even if we make mistakes, because we read about that all the time, like in the scriptures and mm-hmm. And in their church history, I mean, I love reading church history because it is so messy and people are <laughs> so human <laughs> and you're like, how in the world did the Lord work with that? Right. But he does. And he is able to bring about his, you know, um, miracles and the things that need to happen. And so I think that when we are earnestly trying to do our very best to follow the will of the Lord, that he makes those things work for our good. Did you ever uh, get mad? So I, 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 and by that, I mean, let me extrapolate out a little bit. So uh, one of the things when I was in my first marriage, you know, I was 30. So old, old man, as far as the church goes, had taken my time, had dabbled a bit into the pool and, and, you know, dated several people and, and then decided to get married and, and remembering the unique spiritual experience that was the confirmation of like, yes this person is to be your spouse. And then a very short time later being like, oh, this will be hard. And then a few years after that, when it culminated with divorce, there was a little bit of it that I was like, okay, pal. So what are we doing here? Like this, this was (laughs) the thing I needed to do this. What about, you know, I, I tried to do the, this, I went and did the, these things. I didn't do these things because I thought that was part of the sacrifice for the greater good. And now here we are in this scenario, this thing that I didn't want became very angry. I wonder, uh, I don't want to put all my anger on you, but if you felt similarly. Oh yeah, no. And, um, yeah, I, I'm not someone that normally swears, but during that season, (laughs) Like there were a lot of prayers that I, I was swearing at the Lord, which sounds like a crazy thing, but that was also part of my growth in realizing that, that the Lord could take it. He could take my anger he could take all of that. And, um, so yeah, no, I was, I was super upset, especially because I had done all the things that I had been told as a youth, right? Mm-hmm. I went to church. I went, graduated from seminary. I got my young women's recognition award. I prayed and I fasted before I married this person. I took it seriously. And, um, and at the time, right, like 20, I had friends who were getting married at 18 and 19. So 20 mm-hmm. was old. And I put that in quotations because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I hope that my, um, stepdaughter is like 30 (laughs) or older. Like you hope she does it when she's ready. And if it happens to be 30, that's great. When she's ready. Yes. Anyway. So, um, yeah, I, I spent a lot of time being really, really angry with the Lord. Um, and just like, 
how did this, how did I end up here when I had done all the things, all the right things? So this was such a huge turning point for me because it changed how I lived the gospel of Jesus Christ. Before I was very focused on doing all of the things. Like if I do the checklist, then ta-da, I'm going to get this amazing life that everything goes smoothly. Yeah, we have a few things that are difficult. Maybe it's difficult to, you know, do this calling or things like that, but yeah, the AC goes out. I get it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. So, but what ended up happening, it was like the Lord broke down this monument that I had built to him of all these things, like these things proving what a good disciple of Jesus Christ that I was. And I get emotional about this because it was such a huge turning point for me because it was like, he disassembled that, he, that altar that I had built for him that I don't want any of that. That's not what I need. I need you to become, to become a disciple of Christ. I don't want you just to do all the things. I want you to change who you are. Like the change that talks about becoming a new creature in Christ, like that is a real thing that is an active working thing. And so it was, I had to really break down and, and figure out like, what do I actually believe? What, what do I know that is true? Um, and so step-by-step step, like that rebuilt, but it was, it was not focused on, on what I was doing anymore, but it was on who I was becoming as a person. So there was a lot of anger that I felt in the beginning towards the Lord. There was a lot of anger actually that I felt towards my ex-husband. Um, he remarried almost immediately. And that was part of the dynamic that was so difficult and hard and heartbreaking because I actually, when, when we filed for divorce, it was so fast. Um, everything came together so quickly that I wasn't even out of love with my ex-husband. Mm. And I talk about that in my book too, and how difficult that was. Like he was coming to church with his fiance and Oof. we were in the same ward. <laughs> yeah. 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 And then when they got married, they moved into my old house because I couldn't afford the house, you know, to keep the house. And so that was weird. I mean, there, there's, there's a lot of hard things. So yes. Um, I, I was very angry with the Lord and, um, felt like I had done all the right things. And so how did I end up here? But Heavenly Father and the Savior Jesus Christ are, um, they're so aware of us and um, they desire so much more for us. And so I, I broke down that old life and then rebuilt this amazing, beautiful life that I would, I would not, I would not go back and change that. If this, if that was the only way that I could be living this life, then, then I am glad to have gone through that experience for this life that I'm getting to live now where I'm focused on who I'm becoming and it's not, it's not what I'm doing anymore. I appreciate the way that you uh, described the altar that we as members of the church sort of build up and then Christ has to come in and be like, guys, what, what have we done here? You thought this was the thing. And, and, and I like to imagine, you know, angry Jesus at the temple, flipping that altar upside down and being like, come on, yes. don't you get this? <laughs> I, I'm, I would be curious though, to know um, your thoughts on within the, within the church, because there seems to be such a stigma around, um, you know, the, do, the, the doing all the things I want to yep. make sure that it give, that I give it every chance to be able to work out. I right. want to leave nothing on the table. And I, and I think that there's a, a tremendous amount of value in that. 
But but I found from my own experience and others that I've spoken to, what we also don't teach in the church is what a toxic relationship works looks like and when you can be able to say, oh no, maybe there is more that I can do, but that will not change what this scenario's outcome is. Right, right. I think there's a lot more education that's happening um, as far as that goes. Part of the reason I wrote my book is because I couldn't find um, resources for what I was experiencing because I was watching other friends of mine um, that went through a divorce and um, either they would be all in the church or all out of the church. Mm -hmm. There really Mm -hmm. wasn't any middle ground. And for me, I knew that I wasn't going to find the answers that I was looking for outside of the gospel. I knew that the answers were there. I, I didn't know how I, you know, I didn't have them at the time, but I had faith that with time and um, that, that those answers would come and I would be able to have that peace as I move forward. Um, So, but that was a big part of the reason that I wrote my book is because I wanted to be able to provide what I wish I would have had as I went through my divorce. So that's, um, and I know since I've written my book that there have been several other resources, plus I'm have been um, become part of different Facebook groups. And so there's a lot more talk about it. Um, And there is definitely a cultural shift that is happening. And you already kind of mentioned this where it used to be very common um, in my age group to get married in your, you know, 18, 19, 20, 21. Um, Older than that, you were an old maid. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Which I love that term. Just right. Right. Yeah. No stigma here. Old maid. Yeah. None. none. (laughs) remember a girlfriend of mine got married at 30 and she was, she just felt like she was so old. And I look at her as a parent and, um, and she's done such an amazing job with her kids. And because she, she is different. Like um, she was more sure of herself and more confident because she'd been on her own and she'd done these um, things. Whereas I felt like I um, was learning to be a parent, but also being um, a actual adult, you know, alongside of my children. So Mm -hmm. Uh, anyway, I, th- I think that there are more resources available and there's definitely more education that's happening. Um, there's a great book, how to, mar- um, how to not marry a jerk out there. <laughs> it's a great one. So yeah, if you're needing a good resource, um, on how to about toxic relationships, that's a good one. Uh, we should also mention, I don't think we've mentioned even the title of your book up to this point. It's called Beauty for Ashes, Divorce and the Latter-day Saint Woman. Uh, I want to take another break real quick when we come back. I want to talk about maybe what the difference for the Latter-day Saint woman would be. Obviously, that's the experience that you have lived and what it might be for the man. I uh, Maybe yep. we venture into the idea of keeping your covenants as a divorced person, if you can understand the wink that I'm making towards there. So maybe the third block will be not, uh, not unsafe for kids, but adult themed. So people that are listening with families in the car know that that's something that we may venture into. And then of course, there are three questions that we ask everyone who steps into the cultural hall. So I'll ask those of you. We'll get back to that in the third block of the cultural hall. BestDJinUtah.com. That is the website. If you would like to hire me to come and to be at your event. Now, uh, I've done weddings and uh, family reunions, and I've had the opportunity to gather with folks just uh, for a party. I have yet to do a funeral, uh, and so I I don't want to say it with such exuberance, but I'm willing to play the music at a funeral, and I know that some people have really started to turn uh, the passing of someone into a party. Not that we're celebrating that they're gone. No, that's not what I'm saying. Take that back. Come on, Richie. I'm just saying... 
the opportunity to be able to gather and celebrate the life of an individual. This suddenly got really dark, and I didn't mean it to. The point is, if uh, you have an event, an activity that you need music to be played for, why not considering consider rather hiring me? Uh, you go to bestdjinutah.com. Hi friends, Dan the Laptop Man here from PC Laptops with breaking news. Windows 11 is now here. It's fast and it's beautiful. So let's make sure your computer's ready to run it. Bring your PC into any PC Laptops right now at PCLaptops.com. PCLaptops.com. Here in the third block of the Cultural Hall, remember you can be, car- be a part of the Cultural Hall back row. It's a free Facebook group for any and all uh, fans of this here show. You can find it Facebook. It's the Cultural Hall back row. It's where people nerd out and say, oh, you know what? Noel talked about Eastern Washington, and there's a great ice cream shop there that if you ever go, and then they share that. And it's so tangential, it has nothing to do with any of the episodes. If you like fun and you like this show, you should check it out. It's called the Cultural Hallback Row. Uh, now, Noel, I thought about starting off with talking about the uh, you know divorce and the latter saint woman here in the third block. But we also teased talking about sex, and I feel like if we talk about divorce, People are just waiting for us to talk about the sexual component of it. So we might as well get that out of the way and then be able to come around. Um, I received a text a while back, a buddy of mine who was divorced, who texted me because he knew that I had been divorced and then remarried. And he said, how do you possibly not have sex with people that you date once you have had sex in a sexual relationship where you were married and now you're, you know, intimately dating a person that you may want to marry. I'm not going to throw in my thoughts. I would love to know yours. Um, this, that's a great question. I mean, and it, it is something that as Latter-day Saints, um, and who, if we are, have gone through the temple and become endowed that we do keep the law of chastity. And, uh, so that was, something that was really important to me. Um, I believe, and um, this is taught by leaders, the law of chastity actually gives us extra strength and power. <laughs> so, um, I'll just be really frank. Like that's not an easy thing. So um, I think for me, um, I was really, really focused on getting healthy and getting my children to a healthy place that in the beginning, the idea of dating actually made me really queasy and sick. (laughs) I didn't want to have anything to do with it. Um, So that was, that part was easy when I was really, really struggling. um, You know, sex wasn't really something that was um, I was thinking a whole lot about. So, and just to be frank, that wasn't um, that was part of what was not working as well in my previous marriage. So Mm but then when my husband and I started dating, um, you know, and he was also an active member and had been endowed. And so, you know, we had conversations really frankly about where our boundaries were and where we were comfortable. And um, so that was helpful. Like we were just upfront with those things. And then when we did get more serious and engaged, um, then we talked even more frankly about what worked, what didn't. There were boundaries because, as I mentioned before, my husband was a widower. And so there were things that I never, ever wanted to really know about his marriage because, you know, those things then gain free rent in your head. <laughs> Interesting. So, that's that, I, that's curious. I, I had never considered that before. But things yeah. that you're just like that, maybe that occurred, maybe it didn't, but I just don't want to know about it. Yeah. Mm -mm. Yeah. And there, there are things that 
are private between a husband and wife, right? Like, and they had a good marriage. They worked really hard at it. And, um, and, uh, so I have a great deal of respect for that. And, um, and am happy that like that's theirs and not mine. And we don't, those things don't cross over. And that has made, cause that's the other question I often get asked and that doesn't have anything to do with what we're talking about, but people are like, how are you comfortable with, you know, the fact that your husband is sealed to two women, right? Oh, yeah. So I get that. I get that question a lot, right? How so, are you comfortable with that? <laughs> now we're going to go into that. Oh, right? I'm Maybe uh, we'll get to it. Yeah. So anyway, but so having really strong boundaries, um, as far as that goes with their relationship and with our relationship, and then also creating that new space. Like my husband did a really, really good job of like having healthy boundaries so that we had space and room to grow and breathe and flourish. That was not, um, we, things weren't bleeding over from, um, his, you know, previous relationship that way. So that was, which I think is a credit to a great relationship regardless, right? Like you mentioned that you were divorced, that he was a widower, whatever the circumstances that we come from, uh, a healthy relationship. And it sounds almost counterintuitive comes, when people are able to have a boundary and, and stick to a boundary. And that really does seem so what like counter. It's like, I do anything for my partner. And it's like, no, I don't think that's what you should do. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and if you think about it, like boundary, and I talk about this in my book, I have a whole chapter about boundaries because boundaries are where we flourish and where we're happiest and heavenly father and the savior, Jesus Christ have boundaries for us. It's called the 10 commandments. There's right. other things like, like all of the commandments that were given, those are boundaries for us because they will help us to flourish and be happy. And I think that we, um, we don't emphasize that enough in my opinion. So we talk about that a lot in our household, especially with our kids that boundaries are, are what help us to be happy and safe. Like when you have healthy boundaries, then that allows for more intimacy and not just having sex, but, but being intimate with your partner on a spiritual and emotional and a mental and a physical level. Um, when you have those healthy boundaries, then you know that that's a safe space. And, and then that allows you that freedom to be able to speak more, um, you know, personally with someone and share parts of yourself. Cause you know, that that is going to be respected and honored. I appreciate information like that being put into the, like the Latter-day Saint, uh, context, you know, that God and Jesus, uh, give us these boundaries and that these are boundaries in which we can flourish and, and find great success. It's funny. So, uh, in, in addition to doing this here show, I also DJ weddings. And when people are like happy wife, happy life under my breath, I'm always like maybe for a bit, but that does not seem very healthy or like the, you know, you guys should never fight. And I'm like, Mugh. Like all of these advices that we hear, it's not strictly within the church, but so much of what we teach around marriage is so absolutely unhealthy if we don't, you know, look at it and go, do I really think that or like by our strict adherence to whatever that advice may be? Yeah. Well, we actually have stumbling blocks around forgiveness as well. Like that was one of the hardest things. And I write two chapters in my book about forgiveness because it's not just forgiving others. It's also forgiving ourselves and all of the different dynamics that go into that. But I remember hearing things like turn the other cheek and, um, you know, just, just things that are actually not scripture, but 
that people then somehow it gets brought into our cultural, um, you know, ideas. And then, you know, you, you think that you're not being forgiving, you know, or, or people will use those things against you. And so, um, I, I really, I like that. That was part of that disassembling of that altar for me. Right. Mm -hmm. Then it allowed me to look at things with a new lens and be like, yeah, that's actually not gospel based. Right. That's just cultural. And that's going out the window. That's not serving me. Um, in fact, you asked a question earlier and we didn't, we didn't answer it, but I, I do want to touch on it really quickly. Like how do you disassemble that altar? Right. And then uh-huh. rebuild to become, and it really is having a personal relationship with the savior, Jesus Christ and with your heavenly father. And, um, this happens through personal revelation, like president Nelson talks about it so much over and over. And so it really is developing that relationship because there were times where like, I have an inner dialogue and I'm, I think most people do have an inner dialogue that's going on all the time. And mine would be like, well, you shouldn't do this, or you should do this. You know, it was a lot of, um, shoulds or yeah, don't should, don't should yourself. Don't should yourself. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, when I finally started like going to the Lord with these things and praying about it, that was not the answers that I was getting back on things that I should even focus on or worry about. And it just, I, I realized I'm like this inner dialogue that I have going on is not helping me to become who I want to become. And so, but that only happened as I built a personal relationship with my savior, Jesus Christ. Hmm. So I think that that is really powerful as we work to disassemble that false altar that we initially build, right. Then to, um, focus on who we are becoming. And that happens. Um, the process of becoming has to be a joint partnership with the savior. Yeah. I I hope that as part of your, um, like breaking down the things that aren't actually real, like doctrine and stuff like that, that you also include a reference to the footprints, uh, poem. Do you, you, are you, (laughs) Right. Yes, I it's love that, it. it. It's then when oh. I carried you. It's like no, that's not that's not anywhere. I appreciate it. It's a great sentiment. It's a great it's sentiment. Not, it's not the there. funny thing is that is now back on trend. Like I remember that reading that as a kid and being like, I don't actually love this. Mm-hmm. Like as a teenager, and my husband and I have discussed it. And we it is it's one of those things. It's like this is the other thing. The sayings, the sayings all over the walls. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah. 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 I straight up want to have that one. And the one that like, he'll never give you more than you can handle. It's like, oh yeah. I woke up today more than I can handle. And you know what I'm going to bed doing more than I can handle. More than I can handle. Yeah. 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 That, that one's been thrown out too. But this is the crazy thing is, is that it's become like trendy again. Like my teenage daughter brought it to me. She's like, this is the most amazing poem. She read it. And I'm like, uh, trying yeah. not to laugh yeah. and she was so sincere and I'm like yes that's a beautiful sentiment I just was yeah. like how yeah. is this recirculating well, well I mean I you know I guess if it personifies the savior walking alongside you like that's a, a beautiful that's thing, a beautiful thing. Yeah. and I wouldn't I would never poo-poo on that but yeah that that that's the fun part of of parenting where or or like you'll say something a thousand times and your kid is like mom you're so lame and yeah. then they'll they'll read something like that in a in a poem, you know, or or you know they'll bring something home and be like, "Isn't that beautiful?" And you're like, "You jerk! I have literally <laughs> told you that a thousand times." Yeah. And and now this is the thing. Right. This right. of all the things is the thing uh-huh. that you're gonna do. Uh, yeah. How much stigma was it like you're broken 
what's wrong with you? Why did you get divorced? That kind of stuff. Oh yeah. There was a lot of that. Um, but really it was more of what was happening in my own head, you know? Um, so, and- to, so to clarify, you, you created it. It wasn't so much that you heard it from folks, but you thought that everyone was saying it. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I felt like I needed a scarlet D for divorce you know, to walk around. I just, um, it was, it was uncomfortable. I was blessed to have an amazing Bishop and amazing Relief Society president. And I share some of the circumstances that, um, that helped me that they did. Um, one of the things that my Relief Society president did for me is, is that she was informed by the Bishop that I was getting divorced. Um, but the Bishop who I'd been counseling with along with a professional counselor for a couple of years at that point did not share any of the details of why. Mm -hmm. So when my Relief Society president showed up at my house, she just came without calling me or anything. And she just, she showed up and she said, Noel, I know that you're getting divorced. I'm so sorry. It must be the hardest. I can only imagine that this is the hardest thing that you've ever had to experience. And I just want you to know I'm here for you and um, anything that you need, I'm happy to do. And I can discreetly let the sisters know um, so that that you don't have to have any of those awkward conversations because that is truly one of the hardest things. Cause I stayed in um, that ward for another couple of years, right? Oh, like geez. it wasn't, I didn't get to move right away. And that was that we'd been in that ward for 10 years. My kids had been, you know, grown up in that mm-hmm. ward for the most part. So it was difficult. Um, and so that was nice because I never once in that ward had to be like, yeah, I'm divorced. And then someone's like, Oh my gosh, what happened? And then I'm like, well, you know, yeah. Because in the beginning, you're trying to figure out, well, wait, what can I say? What shouldn't I say? And, you know, it's just very difficult, right? Mm-hmm. And I never had to have any of that because my Relief Society president so quietly and gently um, took care of that, that it, it made it a lot easier. And it was especially a blessing because, as I mentioned before, there was a period of time that my husband's new fiance and myself and my children were all Ooh. in the same ward together. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that was that was rough. I I was sort of hoping that the punchline with your Relief Society story is that she slid the uh, handmade letter D for your. <laughs> She's like, listen, I know uh, yeah. if you'll go ahead and just wear this. It's a signal to everyone. Uh, curious, though, about that, uh, the consent about being able to share those details. Did you feel like that was an overstep? That the the bishop, yeah, that the bishop would tell the Relief Society, you felt comfort in not having to have that conversation. Oh, yeah, totally. And especially because she was like, I don't know any of the personal details. I mean, she told me that up front. She's like, I don't know any of the personal details and you never need to share them with me. So it was actually really nice because it felt like she gave me permission to never have to share them with anyone. Yeah. No one's business that happened between my former husband and I and I am a different person. I'm sure he is a different person. And so, you know, and we make different choices. And so I don't have to carry any of that. I don't have to have that be, I mean, it is part of my story, but it's not part of my story, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So um, anyway, so that was actually, it was very nice for me. And she handled it so discreetly that when I moved from that ward, it was funny, like a couple of years later, um, there was a, somebody that reached out t- to me from that word and they were like, how are you doing? I haven't talked to you in forever. And, and they didn't even realize I'd gotten divorced. Oh, wow. It was so discreet. So yeah, it was really good. 
I, 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 uh, as we get to kind of the waning moments of all this, if someone is listening to this male or female, uh, you probably would speak maybe more to the female, but have insight, I'm sure to the whole situation. If they're considering, uh, that certainly it's something that I think often first comes up in a conversation where it's like, fine, if you don't like me like this, we'll get divorced. Right. And I don't think that that's what I'm talking about, but the ones that are, that are weighing it out and, and, you know, taking to, to taking it to the Lord in prayer and all those things, or are, are, are there bits of advice, things or a thing um, that you would say to those individuals that you, you feel like could perhaps instill some level of peace in their, in their journey? I think yeah. it's individual, right? Whether or not someone stays married or gets divorced, I don't think that you'd ever be like divorce this all the time. Right. I don't, I don't right. think that's how it should be either. But, well, in, in truth, uh, we as saints have, uh, I think, a stewardship to not ever advise anyone. Like, um, I, I would never advise anyone to get divorced, which is ironic because I am divorced. But mm-hmm. that is, I would never advise it. Um, it is it is dev- devastating on not just yourself as a person, but it, it has ripple waves effects on your children. You know, my children are still dealing with some of the effects um, from my divorce, which are hard and there are the reality of my life. But um, as far as like peace and comfort, I would say two things is, is that tune out um, everything else and really cultivate that personal relationship with your savior, Jesus Christ, because that's where you're going to get the answers from. It's not going to be from a book. It's not going to be from a friend. It's not going to be from a parent or anyone else. The only way that you can get an answer that you are hundred percent sure about and can move forward with something that difficult and hard and heartbreaking uh, is by cultivating that relationship with your savior. And then on the other side of that, if you have a friend or relative Um, or someone that you love that is going through a divorce, the very best thing that you can do is just say, I love you and I'm sorry. And that's so hard. Um, I got a wide mix of reactions. um, And this has made me very, very cautious. I had some people who were like, I knew that was going to happen. And I'm like, really? Because (laughs) I didn't know that was going to happen. You know, and then I had other people who were experiencing difficulties in their own marriage who had looked at the outside of mine and been like, wait, if they're having trouble, what does this mean for us? Right. Right. And, um, so then they had their own reactions that way. Um, you know, and then I had other people who were like, you should not do this. Right. You've got to stay. Um, and so I I just think that it's really careful. Like like you just have to be careful not to, I don't advise people one way or the other stay or leave. Like, like I, um, I encourage them to develop that personal relationship with their savior and, and to seek that personal revelation, because that's the only way that those things that you can be sure about that and have that peace. So if you're moving forward in that space, then you should have that peace. But that doesn't mean that there's not the absence, like peace in moving forward with a divorce does not mean that there's an absence of fear or difficulty. And I think sometimes that, that, that we think, oh, if I have peace, then that means it's easy. And that's, that's not true. Um, it can be very difficult and you can still feel peace. And the other thing that I think that we don't, that we don't speak into enough is if you look at your life before and yeah. you look at your life now, there are probably elements of that life before that you grieve, uh, yeah. things that you wish, oh man, if that could have been different, whatever. Right. But then you look at the capacity of where your life is now there, there, there is a, uh, a, a great, um, 
a great stand-up comedy bit actually about divorce and about how like when you get to to the other side of it like like people like and i and i find this to be especially true with members of the church that like we tend to give it all we've got and then when it doesn't work out it's like oh yeah oh this is great yeah no i can leave that kind of yeah no, I, do, I don't need that. You know, I don't need that anymore. And it, and it seems almost irreverent in the way to look at that. But like no two truly happy, fulfilled, healthy people in a relationship are like, you know what we should do today? Let's <laughs> blow this up and make this super <laughs> difficult for us. Right. Right. Like you're right. giving yourself the opportunity to have more. And, and we're created that we can have joy. And that was the thing that kind of carried me through everything. Uh, there are three questions, Noel, that we ask everyone who steps into the cultural hall. I'll ask those of you right now. The first question is, is do you have a calling right now? And if so, what is it? Uh, I have two. <laughs> I am an ordinance worker in the um, temple in Seattle Temple. Cool. And uh, I am the shift coordinator for that. And then I am in the Stake Relief Society presidency as the first counselor. Pew, pew. Nice, nice. Uh, if you could pick a calling for yourself, either one that exists or make one up, what would you pick? Um, I would definitely be a Relief Society teacher. I love, love, love giving um, lessons and getting to teach. And that's one of my favorite things to do. Uh, I think if I could make up one, oh man. Yeah, something with a combination of like parties and teaching. <laughs> something nice. A party teacher. You teach people how to party. I love it. I love it. Uh, The final question that we ask everyone who steps into the cultural hall and ask that you would interpret it however you may, but the question remains, what is your favorite part of your faith? Mm. My favorite part of my faith uh, is the ability to change and to grow and to become uh, and I would have to say also my covenants, they have become the most precious thing to me. Mm. And um, they're the only thing we get to take with us in this life is the relationships that we create and have in this life, and then our covenants. And uh, so they are so precious to me. And our covenants are what bind us to our Savior, Jesus Christ, but also to our eternal families. And that is really important to me. So yeah. I love it. Beautifully said. Uh, it's worth it. If you've been considering, you're like, what does her hair look like? I need to see that video. It is worth it. Uh, become a Patreon saint. Go to patreon.com forward slash the cultural hall. Uh, the name of the book is Beauty for Ashes. Uh, divorce. Oh, I want to get it exactly right. Hang on. Divorce and the Latter-day Saint Woman. Uh, that's published by Cedar Fort. So shout out to our friend Valerie over at Cedar Fort. Uh, and all that she does. We hope that this episode has nourished and strengthened your body, that if you're not healthy enough to listen this week, that you'll be healthy enough to listen next week, and that when the time comes, you will be able to travel home in safety. In the meantime, Chris at alpinelakestravel.com, Wander and Wheaton Ranch, Miracles, I Told You So, Rick McGee at Chocolate Cake Bites Podcast, and Debbie Wanless will be saving a seat for you on the back row of the Cultural Hall. Save me a seat, it's sure to be neat. On the back row, we really gotta go on the Cultural Hall show.